Welcome back to Out of the Rough, a fantasy golf podcast brought to you by We Know Fantasy. Uh, beyond popular belief, my name is Nate with We Know Fantasy. I'm actually still part of this podcast after a three-week hiatus. Uh, work and then vacation got in the way, so there's that. But I'm glad to be back, and I'm joined as always by Lenny. Lenny, how we doing? We're doing all right. Excited for the Barbasol this week. Yep, the big old Barbasol this week. We're uh, real hype about that. I'm sure Sean's excited. Sean, how we doing today? Good. The only thing Barbasol that I know about this week is shaving faces. I don't have any clue what that tournament's about. So um, I'm glad you have something on, on the book. Oh, you got at least but I'm there, Sean. No, I'm a man of the people and I stick to my word. <laughs> All right, whatever. Anyhow, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Out of the Rough WK. Visit our website, weknowfantasy.com, for some more fantasy sports content, including fantasy golf, pod, or yeah, podcast, whatever. Fantasy golf, NASCAR, baseball, basketball, you name it, the We Know Fantasy crew has you covered. Like I said last week, I was not here. I was on vacation, relaxing on the beach. So we had the John Deere Classic and the Scottish Open, uh, respectively. Uh, Lenny, how did we do last week in those two tournaments? Yeah, I'm just really excited for the Open this week and Barbasol Championship. <laughs> All right, and Sean? Mine weren't as bad. Yeah, mine weren't as bad as, as Lenny's based off of his, his uh, discussions. Um, but I I did have, I, I will say my lineup was pretty crap too. Um, but in my lineup, I did have Lucas Glover, which he was the winner. So um, I'll be happy about that one. Always um, something but, to hang your on. you got to think of the positive. Yeah, the rest of it was pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, like Lenny just alluded to, the Open this week, the last major of the season here is upon us. Heading over to England to uh, take part in this at this, what is it, the Royal St. George Golf Course. Make sure you put that Royal in front of St. George's there. A uh, fun fact to begin this uh, brief discussion about the course, Royal St. George was the first open course outside of Scotland. Or, yeah, open course to host the Open. Kind of cool. Only St. Andrews, Prestwick, and Mirafield have hosted more Opens than Royal St. George. The last two winners of the Open at Royal St. George were American Ben Curtis in 2003 and Northern Ireland's Darren Clark in 2011. Uh, both could be uh, classified as long shots or whatever is beyond long shots because uh, Curtis is ranked 396th, or, yeah, 396th in the world when he won his title. So uh, this course may see someone out of the blue win, and uh, that'd be fun to see. But anyways, these are, uh, what am I trying to say here? Royal St. George, last time we saw it on the PGA Tour was 2011, and since the course has undergone some massive transformations, mainly significant bunker work leading to this year's events. Once it was announced a few years ago that they will host the Open here in 2021. Tee shots headed for the middle of the fairway can quickly bound into the rough or take an odd kick into a bunker. This is just your typical, I can't say typical, but this is your link style, European, English, Scottish base course where nothing is as it seems. Ball placement is key. Short game is key. Several of the fairways are crowned, so if you do hit the center of a fairway, it can easily roll off into the rough or into a hazard that way. Several former winners at this course have stated that this is one of the toughest courses on the open track. Uh, so there's that. Of course, we have Coastal Course here along Sandwich Bay, and we have Link-style course uh, to go along with it, which is which goes without saying. 
Important stats this week are strokes gained, short gained, strokes gained approach, and proximity gained 175 to 200. And if you are a European-based player or a Lynx-based player with a lot of experience there, you'll have a leg up as well. Lenny, anything you want to add? Um, they did do a few uh, additional touch-ups in and um, we're kind of just watching some things yesterday. They're trying to make the course a little bit more fair. So I think some of your like good drives or approaches that, you know, find the middle of the green, find the middle of the fairways are going to at least stick a little bit more into the fairways. And those that go into the rough kind of stay in the rough. You don't get as many crazy great bounces into the middle of the fairways, trying to make the course a little bit more fair. However, it is still an open. Um, it's probably one of the wildest fairways you'll see um, in kind of a lot of events, even opens and link style courses. There's not a single fairway with a flat spot on it, similar to kind of what we would see at Augusta. So for me, I mean, obviously two completely different courses. However, I think just with a lot of you know, just the crazy lies that you can see people getting at Augusta. I think a little bit of correlation matches up to how people could play this week. Uh, so I consider that a little bit. But I think with the Opens, it's tough to really kind of use stats to define their guys and say exactly how they're going to do. Because for a lot of guys, you know, PJ Tour guys, we have a lot of really good stats for European Tour guys who make up probably the other half of the field. We don't have it greatest stats for so it's hard to compare guys this link style course isn't something most of these guys have played on the shots that you are hitting completely different and i think guys that can just work the ball you know either way play well in the wind and kind of just crappy weather are good picks this week all right and sean anything to add there no, I think you guys really covered it. I I just think what's nice about these kind of courses is just different types of like environmental factors that you have to play into, different types of wind, and obviously without any of the trees there, you know nothing's really there to block it. So playing those stingers or flighting it low is going to be important. I feel like in, in some of these plays. So it's going to be cool to see some of the shot shaping that these guys come up with. Yeah, really excited for this event. It's always one of the better ones to watch and. Like uh, Lenny just said, a lot of the uh, – well, half the field is kind of European-based uh, players. And, you know, it adds a different element than what we're used to here in the PGA track where uh, some names we're not too familiar with we'll get, we'll get familiar with this week, you know, fighting for a win or a top 10 that just burst up there because they're familiar with its style of courses. So let's get into our picks, guys. We're going to start here with a 10,000-plus. I think we only got four or five to pick from as usual. So, uh, Sean, take it away. I'm going to go with a little different than what I normally do. Um, but I guess the price range for or the price that I'm going to come up with is the same. But uh, Xander Schauffele, who's coming in at 10000 even, he's the lowest in this price range. Um, but I think he's going to be somebody that might sneak under the radar if you're looking to fill somebody in with this price range. Obviously, the guys that you're gonna t- you, you two are going to talk about are um, pretty high up in the list. And that the top tiers of that list is, is pretty high. So I think, you know, John Roms and, and whatnots are going to get a lot of picks. So I think... Xander might be a good play here. He got married two weeks ago, so that's always a good thing for the psyche 
and he had his dogs in there. So any guy that has their dogs in their wedding is pretty cool. Hopefully my fiance is not listening to this because I don't want my dog in the wedding. <laughs> um, but um, I think Shoffley uh, has a chance to do it. You know, when he was at the U.S. Open in San Diego, he had a chance. Uh, he was up in the up in the top tens of the leaderboards. Um, and he's got a, a lot of good resume this year for uh, finishing up high in those majors and tournaments. So I think Shoffley is a kind of a sneaky play, even though he's in the top tier, uh, if you're considering just where he's laying in that, in that ranking. So uh, 10,000 even, Xander Shoffley. Hey, can't dog that. Uh, no pun intended. So Lenny, <laughs> Lenny, who we got here? I mean, the obvious pick, John Rahm at 11-3. I mean, he might be the number two player in the world, but I think he's playing as the best player in the world. I mean, when's the last time that somebody has beaten him and he hasn't kind of just beat himself? Like, it's been, I don't know, over a month, two months now, back before the Memorial. The Scottish Open, he just couldn't hit a putt. And he lost nearly, like, four strokes on the putting greens. And kind of, if you just watched him, you could watch him miss two-foot putts. I'm not too concerned about that. Right? It's kind of a one-off. The putting game has been very much improved for him. He's been really hot with the putter. I don't think that continues. I have full confidence in the putter. We just saw him win the U.S. Open. We saw him dominating at Memorial before he had to withdraw. I mean, the guy's just been on fire. Best player playing right now in the world. This is a course that he knows that he's played before, so I have full confidence in John Rahm this week. I don't think you can play uh, John Rahm without confidence, though, just like everything you said. If he's not the number one player in the world, he should be, in my opinion at least. But, yeah, if you're playing John Rahm, nothing against you there. I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka here. Uh, you know, this is pretty much probably my first time saying this guy on the podcast, but I'm finally coming around to it. And he's, what, 22, 23 episodes we've done thus far. But anyhow, he's, you know, Lenny talked about how stats aren't really something to pay attention to. But, you know, me, I'm going stats anyway. So he's top 35 in the tour in strokes gained. Short game, 10th in strokes gained approach. And 32nd in approaches from 135 to 200. Checks all those boxes for me. Of course, it's a major, so Brooks will show up. Um, you know, I like this I like this competition between him and DeChambeau as well. That kind of adds another element to to the, you know, fuel of the fire if they're both up there. I don't know if DeChambeau will be here this week, uh, but he very well could be, very well could be. But if they're both up there, it'd be fun to see. But, yeah, checks all the boxes for me. And, you know, when it comes to statistics, as I fully buy into week in and week out, I think he is a, a great play this week at 10-7. Uh, they just um, – the golf channel just had a nice little kind of Bryson and Brooks special going on, so – um, yeah. But yeah, I Brooks is like my number two guy in this range. The the two guys that I'm playing here are Ron and Brooks. I really like that Brooks pick. All right. Well, uh, there we go. Let's move on to our $9,000 picks. And Sean, who do we have here, man? So if you guys listen to the uh, little breakfast ball special with LJ and I, I was a little high on this guy during that. Um, and I think his performances at the players um, and, and some of the earlier tournaments this year kind of helped that. Uh, but Justin Thomas at 9-6, I think he's kind of in the middle of the of the board in that sense. Um, there's some guys around him that are pretty decent, but I think 
he's kind of hoping to obviously everyone's hoping to win the tournament but i think he's got an ability to do so you see at the at the players how he was able to kind of work that around this year and and hit some interesting shots obviously that drive on 18 that almost went into the water on the players he had to have some guts to do that so i think he's 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 going to be a, a guy who's going to be able to play for you this week also last week at the Scottish Open he rolled in a few putts i believe one was a 90 foot eagle putt um, no big deal um, so nice if the putts are working pretty well for Justin Thomas and he's able to smack the ball the way he does, uh, I think he's he's somebody that's easily could be in that 10,000 range. I just think that a couple of the tournaments this year just haven't gone in his rate or has gone his way. Um, however, uh, I, I do think he's a really good play. So Justin Thomas at 9-6 uh, is my, guy, my go-to guy here. Yeah, that's yeah. a name we hear about a lot anymore. You know, beginning this podcast this season, he was – you know, one of the top two, three most expensive golfers, and he's kind of made his way down. But, yeah, you can't doubt against him. He's a top five player in the world still. Yeah, I was going to say, he just uh, switched putters, switched to a new Scotty Cameron, which I think is going to be good because I don't know if he can get any worse at putting. Um, so I think maybe some uh, new changes in the putter can help him out. Well, since you're already here, Lenny, who do we have in the $9,000 price range? I am going to go with Jordan Spieth. Like it just, it makes too much sense not to pick Jordan Spieth. Someone with a great open resume, someone playing fantastic golf this year, and you just look at his game where he's not someone you're. Uh, he did finish decently at the U.S. Open, but he's not someone you're necessarily looking to pick and play at the U.S. Open with the courses just being so long and drivers being so important. But here. You know, it's a lot less emphasis with kind of how your driver works. And though if Jordan gets a little crazy with it, like we've seen in the past, and he's nowhere near the fairways, we have out of bounds here. We have some nasty rough. It could really hurt him. But just he's, I don't want to say a wizard around the greens, but he's one of the best around the greens. He seems to always get the lucky bounces no matter what kind of happens, you know. And... You know, sometimes to win an open, that's kind of what you need. You need those lucky bounces. You need to see the course a little bit different and, and just have that very kind of, I don't know, multi-tool around the green game, which Jordan Spieth has. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, Spieth is, is definitely playing some great golf. And it, it takes a bit of, I don't know, I want to say luck, but I guess the term would be wizardy, wizardly, wizard. Wizardry, wizardry, yeah. There we go. I'm trying to trying to speak here, uh, but yeah, it takes a lot of that to win an open, and you know we've seen Spieth do some of the impossible before, so not a bad pick there. But if you know me, I'm going my statistical, uh, you know, pick week in and week out, and it's it's pretty simple here. Colin Morikawa nine two for one. I love that price at nine two, but again, he just checks all the boxes first on tour and strokes get approached. He's the best ball striker and ball placer in the tour. Uh, 13th and strokes gained short game second approximately for 175 to 200. He, you know, ball placement is key at these type of events and, you know, just striking the ball cleanly. Like you said, with Spieth getting, you know, a little haywire into the rough or out of bounds, you know, we don't see Morikawa do that too often. So just get the ball where you need to and, and up and down. And Morikawa does that with the best of them, if not the best on tour and doing that. So here at 9-2, I, I know I, I didn't really want to go Morikawa this week because I play him every single week. But at 9-2, I really had to. I couldn't, I couldn't say no. I, 
Nobody, uh, nobody's picking Louis. Louis stays in at nine three. I mean, not a bad. I honestly, Mark, I was a hundred dollars cheaper, so. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, how many people have beat Louis in the last two majors? At least Bill somebody. Nicholson, John Rahm. Unless you go to Arizona State, Louis, Louis beating you. I mean, back to back second place finishes in majors. I just felt like that kind of had to be thrown out there a little bit. Um, oh yeah, he's someone because he's someone I really like at the nine three price range. Um, just like Spieth a little bit better than him. I think Spieth has a little bit more chance to win. However, wanted to give Louis a shout out. Well, I heck. thought you would have been all over him, so that's why I didn't originally pick him. To be quite honest with you, but he is a good pick. What I'm saying here is, you know, I I might in a, a lineup or two just fully avoid the 10K price range because there's so many great values here. The 9,000, like what was yeah. uh, nine six, and you have nine three here for Louis and nine two more college. There's some great values here. Justin Thomas is is a, is a great value here, you know. So that, that uh, yeah, I do agree. I do agree that you can as well. You could easily start at the nine seven with Jordan Spieth, and that's what it was nine seven. But help, help you. Uh, um, I, I guess fill it out a little bit more with you could combo a couple nine k and an eight k guy in there. Um, go yes, a little more thousand dollars. But yeah, let's move on here to the eight thousand price range. Uh, Sean, who do we have here? I'm gonna go with Scotty Scheffler. He's uh, coming cool. in at eight two. Um, I think it's kind of a different name for me. I don't know if I've ever really mentioned his name on the podcast before, but I think uh, the last major, uh, I, again, the U.S. Open, he was kind of up in one of those – he wasn't in the final pairing, but he was in the last couple groupings of plays. Uh, he's had a really good year with some of the, the match play that we saw in Austin. Um, I think he, he can kind of – you can see him kind of showing up in what, it, what seems to be like those big events. Uh, and and playing pretty well, and I think he's kind of a steal with with it being a major. You obviously have a lot of players ahead of him that in the price range that are easily fittable, uh, but with the eight two, you kind of save a little bit of cash compared to the rest of them. And I think he's uh, he's he's an interesting play. Um, so Scotty Scheffler at eight two is where I'm going to be finding myself. I do like that. I eight, love eight, it. Well, we all agree yeah. on that. We all know what that means. I, I'm playing Scotty regardless. Oh, he's, be, he's a guy I really mind. like. I He's never finished outside the top 20 at a major. He is, unlike Sean, he is someone I have played an awful lot of this year. Um, but well, I think there's a lot of good names in this. I don't know if uh, you want me to go now, Nate. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Um, for me, I think... You have some very good, very interesting names here. I really like kind of the can't lay look. I it's kind of tough for me. To be, I'm in between kind of him and Reed at the top. Is two guys I really like. But I'll kind of talk about Patrick Cantlay. We saw him struggle pretty mightily for a good stretch from what was it March, April, May, and then out of nowhere. Kind of at the PGA, played decently, but he's got three top 15 finishes in a row. Um, kind of backdoored himself a little bit into a good finish at the U.S. Open, but still, if you were to just turn those rounds around and you go know, four to one, looks like he has a pretty solid week. 
but someone with just a very solid all-around game. Um, he kind of can work the ball each way, uh, has a lot of different shots that he can play. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think he it might be a little bit of a gut pick, but I think he's in line for a very good week this week. All right, and I'm going with someone that, you know, I listened to your guys' breakfast ball podcast and someone that you guys kind of highlighted a bit here, Paul Casey at 8-6. You know, I don't know if I just felt guilty at this point going to Americans. I needed to go someone English-based. So, Paul Casey here at 8-6. You know, I think he may be a a popular play because of the price range, and he's a notable name being English-based and whatnot, but he's also 30th on the tour in strokes game, short game, second to Ono Morikawa, the king of approach. And strokes game approach, and he's 61st approximately from 175 to 200. So this is a uh, good play. Like I said, I feel like he's gonna be heavily played. But when you're down to eight six, you know, even if he is heavily played, it's no big deal. It's not like a you know a, a 11,000 or a 105 guy being heavily played. So I like Casey this week, and uh, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I, uh, I think you guys are just picking all of my lineups from every single major before. Sean Gold, Scotty Scheffler, you go with Paul Casey. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't pick those guys because you could just go rewatch the US Open podcast. Yeah, um, listen to so that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are picking them because I still like both of those picks a lot. All right, Sean, let's go to 7,000 here. And, you know, I can promise you I have a name that uh, Lenny didn't play, uh, play in the US Open. Who's that? Oh, I can't tell you. I go last, man. Oh. <laughs> okay. Got a right. Well, sneaky I, surprise here, huh? <laughs> yeah, cliffhanger. I uh, I felt kind of the same as you did when I got to this price range. As we're in England, I felt like I couldn't have three Americans off the top and then not have somebody from Europe. Um, so I'm going with Lee Westwood. Um, again, kind of the same type of feel of him being the Englishman. He had. I, I know I've mentioned this a couple of times before when I've said his name on the podcast before, uh, but that run that he had of the of the few seconds, uh, the players, and I forget the tournament right after that or right before it. Um, but I think he's capable of doing some of the the plays. I, I know at one point in time at the Scottish Open, his name was was thrown around the leaderboard, although he did not finish up there. They had some pretty high scores. He kind of had half of what the winning score had, um, but. I think it is the open. I think it means a lot more to all the all the guys who have the the England flag behind their name. Uh, so hopefully he's a, a good flyer here at seven five. So Lee Westwood. He's uh, right. trying to. I was going to say he's trying to. Was it not break the record for the most major starts without a win this week? So I, the. Uh, I think we've hey, seen it's some coming down to it. So he's got to get going. If he's not going to break it. I, I mean, I think it's this week. If he doesn't win this week, he has, I think it's like, what, 89 major starts without a win set the record. Uh, How cool is that? Avoided the record and did it on home soil. That would be, yeah, it would be something pretty special for Lee Westwood. For me, a lot of uh, interesting names in here. Uh, I'm kind of torn between a few guys, Mark Leishman, Jason Day, Christian Pinzaden, how um, who I'm going to play, I will probably own kind of a chunk of all of them. Um, but I'll talk about Christian Pinzaden, how he's at 7-4. He is someone who really just around the green, he's similar to a Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed type of a player where he, can, he has a lot of different shots that he can play. Um, 
not super long off the tee. Uh, he's kind of just one of those guys. You hope he has a very accurate day off the tee. Uh, just a, a solid approach game. Um, and and he's a really good just on the greens putting. He hasn't had any outstanding results lately, but he's not missing cuts. He's, you know, getting his kind of Wills Alatoris top 20 finish every week top 20 top 30 finish where he's just very consistently playing well keeping himself in there um, excellent at the U.S. Open which is very surprising because that's not someplace I would think he would play well same with the PGA Championship and then just on Sundays he said that Keegan Bradley blow up round four Bubba Watson blow up in the fourth round where he's just taking himself straight out of contention um so as long as he plays how he has in the previous majors on, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and just can keep himself around on Sunday, he could be someone in line for a very good finish. Yeah, that's actually who I had before I went to the guy that I had. I had him, you know, put in my notes and, and you know, chopped up and whatnot. And then I was like, no, nah, I need to go to this guy. And that guy is Max Homa, 7-1. Love this pick. He's 13th on the tour in strokes game, short game, 48th in strokes game approach, and 53rd in proximity, 175 to 200. He did have a stretch early in the season where he had like eight straight made cuts. You know, he's missed a few cents, you know, made a few, missed a few, made a few, missed a few. But, you know, I, I think this course fits him well. Um, you know, 7-1 saving me a couple bucks here. And, you know, if the stats don't lie, as, you know, they say, it's a good pick here. But we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. All right. What? What? I was hoping you were going to go Guido Migliozzi. Yeah, you know, I had him in mind as well, but I didn't go with him. He got 7 1 as well. All right. Here it is the 6,000 price range. You know, the the, the flyers, the, the guys you hope to hit, throw a dart at. So, Sean, who do we have this week? I am going with somebody that, again, I've mentioned, but I think uh, at this point, if you find somebody in this price range that you've mentioned before, that's a good thing. Um, but the pairings did come out uh, for the Open, and he is paired with Phil Mickelson, which I think is going to make him want to play a little bit better. Most guys, when they play with Phil, have a little bit of like a, a side action going or something else with it. So um, Kevin Kisner, he's at 6'9 this week. Um, I think... I think he's a, he's a sneaky play. I think he's, he, he's uh, somebody who obviously can win when he wants to win. Everyone wants to win. Um, but I, I just think that he's kind of a value play. And again, with the pairing that he's in, there might be a little bit of a, a back and forth or just a, a friendly competitive nature between them. And it might push him to, to kind of make some good plays or, or keep the ball between the, uh, between the rough stuff. So uh, I think he might be an interesting one. Could be a toss-up, though, but Kevin Kisner is 6'9". Do you know who the third guy is in that pairing? Just uh, no. Chance. No, I only care about those two, LJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Whoever you are, sorry. Who is it? Do you know I who it is, know, or are you just saying? I you. Uh, just ask a question, man. I will. Well, I didn't I, know. I well, thought you were saying that you knew uh, the third. Phil and Kisner, that like I was just saying, that'd be like a very fun group to follow and watch. And I was just wondering who the third guy was. Throw Hatton. That'd be oh, a yes, really good is. group. Yeah. Hey, not bad. Um, but Kevin Kisner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Just confirm you have Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner, yeah, six nine. All right, Kevin here Kisner. we go. All right, we're confirming. We've we've got a confirmation. Final Kevin answer. Kisner. Lenny, your turn. Um, Kiz was kind of my pick here. I think he's in line for a very good week. Uh, I'll throw out another name out there. Uh, we'll go with the the Ryan Palmer. Uh, I'm gonna assume Nate's gonna pick Sam Burns because that's just too obvious. Um, well, you're wrong. That. I'm wrong. All right, then I will talk about Sam Burns because Sam Burns is at six three this week. Who on the Breakfast Ball Breakfast Ball podcast? I didn't notice that. I saw Jason Scrivener at six three and kind of got excited. But Sam Burns is also at six three, which I think is a bargain for him. And very good chance he does miss this miss this cut because he has not played well in big events. Um. But he's also someone who has won on tour, has a couple top 10 finishes. Like at 6-3, just kind of having the top 10 upside is something that you're not going to find. you know. But if he shot an 80 on the first day and took himself out in the very first round, I wouldn't be that surprised. But it's a little bit of what you're getting down here at this range. Well, I am in the same price range as you, at least, at 6-3. I'm going with European Tour Jason Scrivener. <laughs> like I said, European Tour-based player here. He's I made nine, nine of 11 cuts this season, four top tens to go along with that on the tour. So, uh, yeah, hoping he can do it for me this week and, you know, come through and, you know, give me a top 20. Why don't we, Jason? He's been playing well lately. Some really good finishes. All right. Here we are. We're going. We're going international here in the strokes game proximity to course. We've only done a, you know, American-based players here, but this is our first time heading overseas for for such a. Well, did you do one last week for the British Open or for the Scottish Open? Not for the Scottish Open, no. Okay, so here we are. First international, not international, multinational, uh, national, whatever you you want to call this. The first one of the strokes game approached. Proximity to course, strokes game not approach. Strokes game, proximity to course. Jeez. Who we got here today, Lenny? Uh, so, not too many uh, guys on the PG or European Tour or PGA Tour sandwich. But we have Richard Bland, who is someone from the southeast, kind of coast of England. Um, got his first win on tour but this year, I think it was, on the European Tour. Or maybe it was his first win in a very long time. However, um, yeah, his other win was on the challenge tour. I just looked it up quick, so I didn't sound like a complete idiot. However, right, that was at the British Masters. So he's already got a win on the British soil. He's someone who's just been playing unbelievably. Um, we saw Phil win a major at the age of 50. We saw Darren Clark win one at this course for his first major when he was in his 40s. I think Richard Blinn. English guy from Southampton. I think he's got a chance. He's my uh, strokes gain PTC this week. I like it. I like it. So let's move on here to our one and done. Uh, what is it? I still think, what is it? Sean's about 3.5 million, 3.6 million. I think they have about a million separating all of us. Yeah, I'm a million behind him, then you're a million behind me. So uh, I think I'm the only one that made a cut last week, did I not? Uh, I uh, as well. I made one, too, with Sungjae, uh, but yeah, we were the only two that made Paul the cut. Daniel Burger pick you guys gave me, because I was MIA, but I'll take it, I'll take it. it took me uh, 
took me a win that week in that regard, even though it was about a $10,000 difference of that. So who we are up first? Lenny, Lenny, who we picking? Let's go with, uh, before we let's go with uh, Barbasol. All right, Barbasol, I'm going Seamus Power for that. He's like got five top 20s in a row. Just playing excellent golf. I think, uh, I think I'll do well here. Uh, for the Barbasol, I'm going Patrick Rogers. All Patrick right, Rogers. for myself, I'm going Luke List here at the Barbasol. Luke List, a name we've heard in this podcast before. So now we'll go back to the Open. Lenny leads us off here as well. I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. All right, and Sean, who do you have? I'm going to go with LJ's favorite guy, John Rum. Excellent pick. So that leaves me here. I'll go Roy McElroy. I don't think I've played him yet. I apologize about that randomness of cutting in and out of this this uh, podcast, but we'll, we'll fix and edit, as they say in the biz. All right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in to the open version of uh, Out of the Rough. Anyone know who we, where we go to next week? Next week it is the 3M, I do believe. Yeah, I believe so, the 3M. So we'll catch you guys again next week, either a Tuesday or Wednesday, when this hits your inbox of whatever you know source you use to listen to your podcast. But until then, guys, we'll see you.